I've had situations where I'm walking on the street and there's a woman in front of me uh, and I feel like I'm in a way scaring the woman because of how I'm dressed and how I look, the way I'm maybe walking or how I may look. So what I do to make that woman not feel scared or anything, I usually just slow down or walk on the other side of the road to comfort that woman, to make, to make her sure I'm not following her or being... Hello, this is the PSV Podcast, Public Service Voices. These are conversations that matter to us. Welcome back to Public Service Voices. Today's topic is about girls and women's safety. Um, so back in 2018, um, as a student of Waltham Forest, I was walking to the bus stop um, to get to college. And um, instead of taking the long way around, because I thought it would be too long to get the bus and I'll probably end up being late, I thought, let me go the short route. So I went down the road um, and there happened to be a guy just sitting outside on an old sofa. Um, as I was walking, I put my earphones in just to, you know, pretend that I was speaking to someone because I just felt a bit worried that he might get up and do something to me. Um, but as I looked over to him on a sly one, his earphones weren't even plugged in into his phone. So he then got up, he came towards me. Um, he grabbed me by my coat, um, like from my collar area. He then pushed me um, against a car obviously I didn't realize that there was a car behind me. So, you know, out of all that shock, I was just trying to walk back as far as I could, but there was no way for me to go. Um, and then in that moment, I just started shouting and I was just saying like, get off me, get off me. But obviously, you know, he, he wasn't listening. So he then spat in my face um, and I just started crying out of being shocked of like what's going on and stuff. So basically I was just harassed in um, a side street. Um, after all of that, there was a house behind me. So I just went up to the house door. I started banging on the door. Um, a guy came out and he just asked me what was wrong. And all I'd done was just look from the corner of my eye in the direction where the guy was. And he clocked on as to who it was that had um, obviously assaulted me. Um, as I tried explaining myself to him and letting him know what happened, I couldn't even speak because I was that traumatized. So we went into the house's opposite and we sat down, bearing in mind, I didn't say this at the start, but on one side of the road, the people with the mental health problems were staying in there on their own. And on the opposite side of the street was their carers. Um, so it just looked like a normal road with like normal families living inside. Um, we then called the police, um, police arrived and obviously, you know, questioned me as to what happened, etc. The care worker was trying to comfort me because and at that moment like I had so much fear in me and because I was so scared like I couldn't even speak um at the time of this I was 18 and when police officers came they did say to me you know what do you want to do do you want to take him to court or would you like to just send him to cells for 24 hours just as a rough punishment um and obviously 
I'm from a family where I don't really discuss things without my parents knowing because I like to let them know what's happening and then they can basically guide me um, into what they, they know is best, obviously. Um, so yeah, my the police officer did turn around and say how he didn't need their consent. He just wanted me to just say it quickly because I was basically apparently, you know, longing out the whole situation. So anyway, long story short, I ended up calling my parents. They came. Um, we didn't end up taking him to court because he had ongoing cases um, with other women and um, other little female kids. Um, so yeah, but that was basically it. And um, how this had an impact on me, now I'm 20 years old and when I'm in the street and if I see a man, young, anyone over 18 that looks over 18 to me, I'm scared, like I'll cross the road and I, I won't even stand next to them. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm too scared to be around anyone who's a male, especially if I'm on my own and it's dark. Um, and that day when I did go home, it's like no matter how many times I washed my face, it's like his saliva was still like rolling around inside my eyelids and I, I just couldn't. Um, even my parents, they would call me downstairs, especially my dad, and ask me if I'm okay. But where I was that traumatized, it's like I was even scared of being at home, like at home just didn't even feel safe to me because of what had happened that day. So yeah, that's my part. Before I carry on, I would like to introduce my panel today. My name's Aliyah and I'm currently studying level three year two public services. Yeah. My name's Ajani and I also study level three year two public services. Uh, my name is Moino and I study uh, level three public services year two. My name is Joe, and I also study public services level three, year two. I'm Holly, and I also study public services level three, year two. My experience with sexual harassment on the streets was quite common to most people. I was walking down the street, and it was around the house, around my house, um, like the corner from my house, and I was quite surprised when this happened shocked even and this man came up to me and he he was just started talking to me normally and then he started to get me like to try to go to his house and to get in his car and I tried to like walk away and just try to do it as politely as possible so he would just leave me alone but he kept following me and I, I even tried to get somebody from the crowd walking to help me and everybody just ignored me and I just felt like I was completely powerless because there was this man following me and he wouldn't leave me alone and I just felt like I was going to get taken away and it was just a feeling of just feeling very scared and I didn't know what to do in that situation so I just started running and thankfully because I'm fast I, I lost him. But it, it was just really worrying to me because in my area, a lot of sexual assault happens and even rape. And it just worries me if it, if it can happen literally around the corner from my house. It can happen at any point. And especially when I do night shifts, I have to walk home in early hours of the morning. So it just worries me because I'm alone and 
I can be pretty defenseless. I don't know any skills as like self-defense. So yeah. Uh, based on what from uh, Leah and Holly have said, I I feel very sympathetic for Win and in general. I as a man, uh, you know, just transformed into an adult. I don't have to deal with these type of situations myself. Um, I could come across as quite uh, scaring myself when I'm wearing my clothes. I wear a big black coat uh, with like a how um, your black clothing, so it looks intimidating at night. And um, I've had situations where I'm walking on the street and there's a woman in front of me uh, and I feel like I'm in a way scaring the woman because of how I'm dressed and how I look, the way I'm maybe walking or how I may look. So what I do to make that woman not feel scared or anything, I usually just slow down or walk on the other side of the road to comfort that woman, to make to make her sure I'm not following her or being weird in any type of way. Uh, like I said, I haven't, felt, I haven't had any situations myself because I'm a man, but with my girlfriend, um, I feel scared for her for going out because even when I'm with her, I still have these moments um, with men trying to be disgusting or annoying in a way and it infuriates me and I, I'm just a man I don't have to deal with that myself so knowing that women have to go through these situations it triggers me it annoys me and there's nothing I can really do about it it's always going to happen even if we try to stop it yeah so adding on to what Joel said um, my um, sister has a similar issue where she because her work um, makes um means that she needs to come home a bit late, like around 10 or something like that. She, need, um, uh, she needs to go past, like in our area, there's like a McDonald's uh, nearby where she works. And near that McDonald's is like a group of, um, basically a gang, let's say. They basically just um, make noise and just, just give off uncomfortable um, vibes for like anyone who goes past them. And like, my sister, she always says, oh, I can come back home alone um, alone by myself and because she doesn't want to, like, trouble us. Uh, but every time my mom says, go pick her up, let's get her, something like that, because we can't risk things like that in our area because we know how bad things are. And most, basically, all of them that I've seen through throughout the, the years, they're all men in that specific area. They're just men. Um, and, like, I feel like as... Um, as men, we should do things um, better to just help people, help women in general to feel more safe. And I got a few points that I want to go over um, that can help um, women feel more safe. And it's us, it's up to us men to actually enforce that. So um, one of them is to keep your distance, like Joe said. When approaching, like if you're walking the same direction as a woman, she may not feel safe knowing that there's there's another man just following her, going in the same direction. It may not be intentional, but at the same time, it's if it falls upon the man to actually do something about it, like maybe slow down or go to another lane. It may be a bit like difficult or annoying, or like you know you just don't care. But it's those small things that actually make a woman woman feel more safe. Um, another thing is like don't run up from behind them. Let's say you're going for a jog in the night or something and 
a woman she doesn't know that you're behind her she's wearing earphones or something she doesn't know and you just go right past her she will uh, jump and get scared like it's even a man will do that it's it's not it's nothing like it is it's how would i say um you know frightening and um you could just do things like i don't know do some star jumps before or just <laughs> before you approach her or something make some noise uh stomp your feet or something or just say on your left or something i don't know it might help but those little things they actually do help um another thing is offering a woman uh, a female friend to actually walk her home or something um this one is a bit of a, like um a topic i want to talk about because personally when i've um i'm bengali and from an asian culture what usually happens is i've i've had an instance where i've one of my friends a female friend she wanted me to walk her home because um she didn't feel safe i walked her home but the problem is like in the asian community when they see um a boy and a girl walk together like alone they they have like those um assumptions assumptions yeah, yeah they have <laughs> assumptions and it's just it just gets uncomfortable um like i i've had this instance where i've been i walked a female friend home and because like some of my family friends they you know, saw me and then it just caused a bit of a ruckus at home and it's just like those small things that just come in the way of actually men doing like the right thing yeah and even though like these small issues can come into effect it doesn't mean that um men should actually stop doing it like it's still it could still help someone in a way um another um was another point i want to say that men can do is uh keeping comments to yourself um when you walking past uh, a girl in the street all of a sudden if you just go up to her and, and just say like a like a line like a flirting line or something she just may feel uncomfortable she doesn't know you but you just come up to her and just say something you know um that that is you know flattering to her she she might have like it she might not like it and that's just how it goes i'm i'm the oldest sibling with my younger sister and my younger brother my sister being the youngest out of the three and um whenever my sister um for example goes to school uh even though the school's only about a 20 minute walk away from the house um i still am worried for if anything might happen to her when she's either making her way to school or whether she's making her way home from school and um unlike my brother was my brother's in a sixth form student so especially during lunch times he's able to um leave school get some lunch if he wanted to and then head back into the school with my sister she's in school the whole day so in terms of that then i know okay so she's in school so she's obviously she's obviously going to be safe from um with the teachers and everyone else but in terms of um when she's making her way to school or making her way home i'm worried as as to what might happen to her or if anything might happen to her when she's um on the streets and especially because in the area that 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 we live in i i feel that like there are quite a few dodgy people um that live in the area or walk around in the area and i fear that there's going to be someone that would potentially try and grab her attention or try and um 
do do something which wouldn't wouldn't make her feel good as well. When it comes to my sister, she comes she's quite a confident person and um she herself has also mentioned to me that she's not not worried as much as in terms with walking to to school and and walking home from school um which I understand that from her but obviously as the eldest I of course want to protect not only not only just my sister my brother as well but especially because my sister especially is quite young I I still want to have that responsibility of wanting to protect my little sister um one thing I also want to talk about as well from Baroness named Jenny Jones um she had mentioned that all that she believes all men should be put onto a curfew at 6 p.m um but what do you guys think in terms of that so you're telling me that at 6 p.m everything after this happens everything i mean all of this happens after 6 p.m first of all i got attacked around 11 in the morning so whether you put a time or a curfew or not, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. Because, listen, I don't know in it, but that's what I think. So, personally, Holly, what about you? Uh, uh, personally, I think it's really stupid. It's 6 o'clock. Why, why is it 6 p.m.? People work after 6 p.m. as well. So men who work after that time, you can't stop them from going to work because they now have a big effect on the economy. I honestly would be going out to write myself and I just don't agree with it. And if she if she thinks that all of this would change just because of a time curfew, then it's exactly. it's, it's the wrong approach, absolutely wrong idea. There has to be many more measures put in place for these things to change. It's an absolute wrong response. Furthermore, think about the LGBT community, like the transgenders. Um, there could be a problem with trying to identify themselves as a, a man or a woman, and this could cause a problem. It's like, um, obviously, some females who, who identify as a man, how's that going to work? But personally, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, I also, I also agree with Joe. There's no reason to <laughs> put a 6pm curfew on this. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I can understand in terms of the context as to why they would want something like this to occur. Though, when, when you're thinking about putting it into practice... Um, like mentioned already, there's a lot of men who work after 6 p.m. And especially most most um, men in the most important professions, for example, in like, public service jobs, um, there's a lot of, there's, there's at least long, long shifts, again, leading past 6 p.m. And if if this curfew was to then be put into place, it would it wouldn't be able. They. Uh, Johnny, but can I say something? Go on. This it, the attack happened to me in the morning. So regardless mm. if this was put into place or not, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen to someone. And they'd probably yeah, make the justification of um, if anybody that works, then that's then they're allowed to be past six pm. But it doesn't make a difference. It, they should be coming at it from a completely different response. Because you can just, look at the police officer and say that he was working. It's just an easy what? way out, and it's it's just it's completely it's just stupid in my opinion. Yeah, because it can, it can happen at 
any any time at any moment, which obviously I understand. But obviously, that's why I'm saying that having having the curfew, there's no need for it because it at the end of the day, there's no guarantee that all men will follow the curfew as well. And and also, like I like I mentioned already, there's a lot of men who are working past that. So. So you know one of the points that you guys made, like oh they might um like make an exception for those that work after six pm. That won't exactly work because like in in terms of the um the case with uh, Sarah, her um the incident when that happened, the police officer that was accused of um, murdering her, he wasn't on duty. He was off duty at that time, so it really wouldn't matter what if like someone was. Yeah, at work or not at work. It's just, it doesn't really matter. Uh, from what I said before about the LGBT, let me make it a bit clearer. So, uh, uh, it could be used as a loophole um, for them, for, like I said before, with the, the people who identify as a, a male but actually are a female. They use it as a loophole. So, they might actually be a woman, but they can say they're a male and still go out and things could still happen. To clear up on the, um, the points about the 6pm curfew, regardless of age, gender, sexual, or, sexual orientation, it's going to happen anywhere, anytime, and a curfew would not do anything about it. But going back to Sarah's case, the response to everything was just really heartbreaking because people went for a to a vigil and it was also a peaceful protest which then escalated by the police into a, a protest where women were getting thrown around, handcuffed, pinned to the floor, and it was just—it was just a horrendous response from the police. As always, nothing's different there, and it, it just makes the police look so bad. It doesn't change the public's view on how they're supposed to. It's supposed to protect us, but then they do the absolute opposite and make us feel like we're afraid of them. We should not be afraid of the police, but, but we have are. You considered the fact that, have you considered the fact that maybe there was people only attending the ceremony to because they knew the police would attend and they were there you, like, with the sole reason to start an argument in order to get to the media to paint a negative picture of the police even further because people do have a provocative approach and their aim is to provoke and to ensure that things like this happen to paint a very negative image in people's mind towards the police. I don't think it's true though. I don't think that's true at all because... It was peaceful. They were having a protest to remember her death and everything. I remember, remember her being alive. Everything was fine until the police came in and all their focus was was the socially distancing. Because once that once people was not doing that, that's the main that was the main focus for the police. And that's why they responded in that way. And then obviously the public responded in a way of anger because they're ruining this perfectly peaceful vigil. And it, it didn't have to end up like that, but obviously it did. From what I'm hearing, you, you're basically saying that the police should not exist. Like they're, they're the cause, the trouble, the no. problem. Yes, I think you, you think that. 
because they're, they're just doing their job. Yes, I don't think it was right what they did, but it's not all policemen or all police officers. Um, it's just that situation. Not every police officer will be like that. Or you can look at the people with high authority in the police, not every member. They're just following orders. You can't just say police. Look at the people with high authority. Have a go at them. Sort them out. Not the people who are just following orders. Yeah. So <laughs> to add on what Joe said, yeah, we're both uh, aspiring future police officers. And uh, like this situation, it does like, you know, come back a bit and just it stays in our mind because we have to represent ourselves as police officers in this country. And while other officers, like the um, the one that was accused of uh, murdering uh, Sarah, he gives us a bad image. But at the same time, we future police officers can do better. If, if what I believe is in the future, if the Met Police and all other police um, like recruitment process, if they aim to find officers that have high moral ground and they can find like you know officers that have um you know that have an equal like you know how do i say it? like shouldn't all police officers have high, high moral ground though if they're going to be in that job protecting the public not every person is going to be seen as good just because they're going to police Why uh, force in that job then because they like protecting people, like they like the idea of protecting. That doesn't make me feel very safe if they're not good people. If you have a problem, why don't you go in the police and sort out, sort them out? It's the complete opposite of what I would want to do. But I would want people, if they're supposed to be protecting and serving the public, I would want them to have good morals, not bad morals. If you think you're so cool, like I said, if you think you're so cool and you think you have higher morals, <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you go into the police and sort it out? Okay, let's. let's why do I have to? Because you think you're good enough, you think you're good, you think you say you have high morals, so please help the police. Why are they allowed in that job if they're having bad morals? Go and ask them, I don't know. I'm just. You're I'm, a police officer. The, 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 one, the, the reason one. idea would be that people would want to join the police, and if they have bad morals, it would be to take advantage of the rights they have exactly. as police officers. But at the same time, I can guarantee you that not all officers have bad morals, and they will never be the case because there are too many people in one certain job for them to all be the same. Like, I'm not denying the fact that some of them will have negative intentions, but some will have some of those intentions. And the key, I think one of the key objectives for the police would be to identify those individuals and get rid of them if possible. And this is exactly what, what I'm trying to say. The police as a service, as a whole, they should change their recruitment process so they can identify who is actually willing to protect and look after and serve like they're supposed to, not abuse their power. What specifically should we change? So what I was thinking is because there is, there is, okay, right now, currently in the recruitment process, there is a behavioral assessment at the start, okay? Clearly, that didn't work this time. Okay. <laughs> evaluation. Clearly, it didn't work this time. But another thing they can do is, let's say, the man that was accused of um, murdering Sarah, he actually is found guilty. And after that, they give him a, like, you know, a sufficient, I mean, a good enough um, uh, punishment. Yeah? That way, it can be as a deterrent to other police officers that may have like a similar mindset to change themselves. That could be another way like they can, um, you know, make things better. And Holly, you say you want like, people with good morals to be in the police, but when it comes to the recruitment process, people can fake who they are. They can't, you can't, when, when, when it comes to, inter 
But I think what you can add to that is because there's so many fitness tests and obviously that is quite easy to pass if you have a good physical health. But with a psych evaluation with a qualified psychiatrist or psychotherapist, they can identify people after a few sessions and they can actually tell who is worthy and who is not. But doesn't that not cost more funding? And I know it obviously costs a little bit more, but it's still more money that the police have to spend. Isn't that yeah, the sacrifice the... the government should make to protect that... the public rather than have all it's of this trauma service. and harm? The thing is, like when you said about like the fitness test, like that comes after your your thing, um, or is it your what's that called? Oh, I forgot what I said. Um, in general, interviews, yeah, or to do with behavior yeah. and how you are. All all these interviews and everything else that comes before the actual uh, fitness test. So the fitness test shouldn't even matter in this point. It's just the the psychological assessment or whatever that comes before. That comes at the start. I just think the police could be doing a lot more rather than trying to cover their own backs. But in general, there's always going to be bad people in every job. You can't just say police. Just okay, they... so then they could be frequent um, psych evaluations then. So it's not just once at the start, it could be frequently throughout their career. Be that always... I agree with, yeah. Yeah, okay, I agree with you, but you're always saying just the police. Every job is going to be someone bad. You can't always say police just because they're... On social well, this media. This is what the topic is about. It's about the police. Yeah, I know that, but you're just you're just pointing on just the police, like right. in general. One one question I want to ask you guys is, do you think that the current Met Police Commissioner should lose her job? Well, something on the lines of that, like I said before, with high authorities, they're you they're the ones to blame, so they should be punished for it. So in a way, most likely, I think yes. I, I disagree. I think I don't think she should be uh, fired, but I think they should reevaluate her choices and the methods that she's using because everything about the police, there's many, many factors that could change. I disagree on the fact that she should get fired, but um, as mentioned, I do think that either her choices should be reviewed before they are applied in, on the street. But I'm also keeping in mind that although she makes the major decisions so how things are run, she doesn't add the details into how everything specifically done in the streets and that's where the problem is because that is done via um, her, her subordinates and I feel like they are the ones who should probably be reassessed in terms of the sergeants and over and how they run their teams in the streets. It's outdated. Yeah. Valid opinion. Okay, so to conclude off the this conversation, um, going back to Sarah and what we think, how we think we could help women feel safe on the street and everyone in general as well, I guess a few, some of the certain tips, tips that were given early on, such as if a woman feels like you might be following her, maybe cross the road, those are little things to be conscious about. Also generally being conscious on whether you might be the cause of making her feel uncomfortable, but also if maybe something else that you could potentially help with is making her feel uncomfortable. So if someone is out on the street um, causing trouble and all that, you could potentially do something about that, so call the police if required, or call someone for help. Because even though it might not directly affect that person, it could affect another person. So that's my take on it. 
Um, yeah, just to add on, I think if you're if you've been like a victim of any of those type of incidents and you've kept it quiet, I think it's important to talk to someone that you trust. Maybe it might be a friend, your mom, your dad, even if it was someone in school, especially in school or college, wherever you go, because your information is confidential. Whatever you tell them is confidential. So speaking to someone where you know you first you won't be exposed and they will try help you out. I think that's very important. So making yourself more aware and also explaining to even people around you if something has happened to you, like, oh, um, this has happened to me today. This is what he looked like, whatnot. He's in this neighborhood. It just gives people, it just puts more eyes out on the streets, basically. One thing that I would say that could happen is not only to possibly find or get more more police officers who actually care about not the community, but not only that, but men, but especially women in general, because especially because the police play, in my opinion, play an important role, especially in the communities, because they are the sense of they have that responsibility in terms with protecting the public and especially with this this um, current um, issue that's going on in terms with um, the, the events of what's going on with um, Sarah and um, the alleged um, police officer that had um, allegedly um, killed, kidnapped and killed her. Um, by having more police officers who actually care about the community and everyone in general, it would, I feel that would help. Okay, so, so to summarise for myself, what I was thinking is, um, as, as, pub, as the public, uh, the people should uh, you know, find ways, like the ones I mentioned, the options, um, suggestions I made, find ways to make women feel safer. Um, act, be an active uh, bystander, you know, help, um, you know, if someone's being harassed, if a woman's being harassed, try and help out, like just stand next to her like, a, like as if you're a big brother or something, yeah, like that. And even for women, they can help other women as well, like go or like walk home in groups or something, strengthen numbers and all that. Um, and as for the police, what I was thinking is um, they can find ways and, you know, to find more, you know, how do I say it? Um, responsible police officers to actually, you know, uphold their values and everything. Uh, in my opinion, I think it more has to do with what, trying to resolve this is more around the police because their their job is to make people safe. Obviously, I know people in general, men and, and women in general, uh, should obviously help each other, but the police should be more focused at with that serious situation. Um, I, sh I I think that police should have more thorough background searches. Obviously, the the process they go through, people go through to be a police officer is, you could say good, good, but it's not good enough clearly because obviously people, there's still corrupted people in, in the police or people aren't good enough. I'm glad you agree with my point now. Um, for me, I'd like to say, firstly, I, I, I see quite a common um, thing people say, it, it's, it's not meant to bad it's it's more advice but people say women shouldn't listen to headphones if they're walking onto the, on the street maybe late at night and even though that may seem like it's a good idea a lot of people love listening to their music and they shouldn't have to take them out just so they can feel safe it is it's 
restricting our fun why, sh why should we have to do that just so we feel safe it should be the other people yeah, you know, totally agree. for them to be making those decisions not to harm us but anyway I think what a great way to kind of help try to prevent these things from happen happening is education in schools like it should be a set part in the curriculum in colleges and secondary schools that the teachers teach the students of different ways that they can help feel help women and men feel less like they are in danger by talking about the methods we've discussed before and it also just it it creates that seed and hopefully it changes thoughts and behaviors that may occur in the future.